last week, our church's basketball league finally restarted after a three-year break because of the pandemic. Whenever there is a basketball competition, there is always both excitement and anxiousness that fill every player. They prepare their outfit, their accessories, some even buy new shoes, new gears, while others prepare their stamina, their conditioning, so that they can be at their best condition to win the basketball game. While victory is not always guaranteed in basketball, successful teams understand that in order to win, they need to prepare themselves not only mentally and physically, but also strategically. In basketball, successful teams have something they call keys to victory. These are the essential strategies and elements that they identify and focus on to secure their win. They know that without these keys, victory becomes elusive. And just as basketball teams have keys to victory, we also can discover our own keys to victory in the battles of life. While the Church Basketball League may not have the same gravity as life's more significant battles, I would say, it can reflect the reality of how each one of us face battles each day. Not necessarily in sports, but in life. Because many times, we also have our own battles and trials, don't we? We often find ourselves grappling with challenges and trials that seem insurmountable. These are the trying Difficult situations, the struggles that test our faith and character, and bring us to our limits. They can vary in intensity, in duration, in significance, and take on different forms, such as personal, relational, spiritual, or even physical battles. How do we win our battles? How can we find the strength to conquer our battles and emerge victorious? I'd like to talk about our keys to victory over our trials today. From our text, Exodus chapter 17, verses 8 to 16, we will study and discover the keys to winning our battles. Our passage unveils a profound truth that can transform our perspective and approach to the battles we face in life. We will look into the story of Moses, the Amalekites, and uncover some biblical principles that can lead us to victory. To give you a brief background or context, before Exodus chapter 17, verses 8 to 16, the Israelites were held in bondage in Egypt and during harsh oppression of slavery. They cried out for deliverance and so God raised up Moses as their leader. Moses agreed and went to Pharaoh and said, Set my people free or set God's people free. Then there, then there was a showdown of power. God brought about the ten plagues to demonstrate his power and supremacy over the God of the Egyptians. And finally, Pharaoh released them. The next morning, the Israelites started their journey out of Egypt and into the desert. They were marching into the desert, not knowing where to go. Moses was leading them, and God guided them on their journey through the wilderness with a pillar of cloud by day and a fire by night. As they journeyed, one of their first complaints to Moses was, we need water. They were drinking from the streams of Mara, but the water was bitter and undrinkable. And the Lord said to Moses, drop this piece of food, and the water became sweet and drinkable. The next complaint they had was, Moses, we need food. God prepared them with bread and manna that appeared every morning and quail in the evening. Again, they complained for water, and the Lord told Moses to strike the rock with his staff, 
and water gushed out of the rock, providing for the people's needs. Now in Exodus chapter 17, God is going to reveal Himself once again, His power and character in a different way in order to show His faithfulness and to convince them further that they can trust and rely on Him fully. As we look at this passage, let us uncover three keys to victory in the battles that we face in life. Verse 8, Now Amalek came and fought with Israel and Rephidim, and Moses said to Joshua, Choose us some men and go out. Fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said to to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. Verse 11, And so it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. In this passage, the Israelites find themselves engaged in a difficult battle with, against the Amalekites. The Amalekites were a fierce and warlike nomadic tribe that launched an unprovoked attack against the Israelites at Rephidim, which was a place in the desert. We don't know the reason for the attack. Perhaps the Amalekites were threatened when they saw thousands or some would say millions of Israelites marching through the desert. Perhaps they thought that they will be displaced and lose territorial control. Or perhaps they saw that the Israelites were a large group that had carried some possessions that the Amalekites might have seen as an opportunity to raid or to seize their resources. But regardless of their motivation, this test of faith for the Israelites exposed their vulnerability and their inability to rely on their own power and strategy to overcome the Amalekites. Remember, They just got out of Egypt. This is their first battle. They are not fighters. They just got out of Egypt where they were building bricks. They don't have military training. And they are definitely not prepared for combat. So how could they then secure the victory in this difficult time? Here we uncover our first biblical principle and our first key to victory. Our battles expose our need to trust in God's strength and faithfulness. In order to win, the key to victory is to move from self-reliance to God-dependence. This situation forced the Israelites to recognize their need for a power greater than themselves because they had no choice. They are just not ready for battle. They had to acknowledge their limitations physically as they had to depend on God's provision. Now, they are to depend on God's protection because they could, they could not do it on their own. They needed to depend on God to overcome this battle. If you were one of the Israelites during that time, perhaps you would feel mixed emotions. Yea, hey, because God freed you from slavery in Egypt. But, hi, because you are tired since you have been marching through the desert And you could also feel fear and uncertainty because you don't know if you will survive this battle against the Amalekites. Like the Israelites, we also face battles greater than ourselves and it exposes our need to trust in God. Our battles might not be physical confrontations, but they can range from petty to significant, such as the sudden collapse of our businesses, health and marital problems, Problems with how to handle our children, how to raise them up. Problems with grades, with careers, with leadership, with battling addiction to sin, to gambling, 
and to many other things that are beyond our control. But what makes this story interesting is the role of Moses and the staff of God. Verse 9, So Moses said to Joshua, Choose for us men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. Moses, the leader appointed by God, instructed Joshua to select men for battle. We don't know what criteria he used. Presumably, he chose those who look strong and are ready for battle. So Joshua led the Israelites into battle, while Moses, along with Aaron and Hur, positioned themselves on a hilltop overlooking the battlefield with the staff of God in his hand. In battles, high ground confers advantage, as Moses perhaps will have a clearer view of the battle, and the Israelite soldiers will have a clear view of him and his staff. As the battle continued, look at verse 11. Whenever Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. And whenever he lowered his hand, Amalek prevailed. It is interesting, as I was studying this text, I was thinking, did Moses recognize this miraculous thing that was taking place? Maybe if that was us, maybe we'd play hands up, hands down, and see the interaction and the reaction of the Israelites against the Amalekites. But what is, what is the significance of this? And how does this show us our need to depend on God? While our text does not explicitly state that Moses was praying, this, the act of raising his hand was a common gesture in ancient times to express reverence, surrender, and reaching out to God. It symbolized a physical and visual demonstration of seeking God's help and intervention. Moses raising his hands can be seen as a form of prayerful intercession on behalf of the Israelites, acknowledging their dependence on God's power and seeking His help in this battle. Moreover, the staff of God in Moses' hand serves as a powerful visual reminder of God's presence, power, and favor that was with them. Remember, when God first appeared to Moses at the burning bush in Exodus chapter 4, He told Moses to throw his staff on the ground and it transformed into a serpent. When Pharaoh wouldn't let the Israelites go, Moses struck the Nile River with the staff and it turned the Nile River into blood. In one of the most iconic events in the Old Testament, the parting of the Red Sea in Exodus chapter 14, when Moses stretched out his hand with a staff, God divided the waters and allowed the Israelites to pass through on dry ground. And again, to bring the waters together, drowning the Egyptian soldiers. The staff served as a confirmation of God's presence and power among them. Now I would say nothing magical about the staff per se because it is just an ordinary piece of wood or the raising of Moses' hand. But it is the extraordinary God who uses the staff to demonstrate His great power. And He uses our battles to serve as opportunities to deepen our trust in Him and to witness His faithfulness in bringing us through to victory. Several years ago, my love for collecting NBA sports cards was reignited. As a basketball fan, it was a thrilling hobby that I eagerly embraced. I built a collection of cards featuring my favorite players, buying, selling, and trading to enhance my collection. Then two years ago, during the pandemic, 
many people started to collect NBA sports cards again. The demand for NBA cards increased and prices soared two or three times higher than before. While everyone seemed delighted, I was filled with regret. Having already sold much of my collection for some reason, I couldn't help but dwell on what might have been. I'd wake up at 3 to 4 a.m., late-night thoughts plagued my mind, tormenting me with feelings of foolishness and the constant what-ifs. It seemed petty to discuss my regrets with others since, after all, they were just cardboards. Only I and the Lord knew the weight of disappointment and bitterness I carried. Until a few days later, I did not ask, but someone at the church office gave me an NBA sports card memorabilia. It was a miniature locker of Michael Jordan. I thought, what are the chances that in the church office where supposedly only spiritual people are, where people are supposed to think about God only and to talk about spiritual things, that someone would randomly give me an NBA sports card memorabilia at a time when I was thinking foolishly about myself. It was a touching reminder that God was watching over me, even in matters I deemed insignificant. In that moment, I realized I was never alone in my battles. So that miniature locker was displayed on my desk for many months, and whenever I look at it, I remember God's thoughtfulness of me. Whenever I worry about the future, I look at it to remind me that God got me covered. That little locker symbolized the assurance that no matter what challenge I faced, I was never alone. God can use our battles to deepen our trust in Him and to remind us that He is with us and that He watches over us. To me, it was that. But to the Israelites, it was the staff of Moses. So whenever they see the staff raised, it should remind them that, hey, the powerful God is with us. We are not alone. We can do this. He will help us. Just as the staff raised by Moses served as a powerful reminder of God's presence and assistance, we also have symbols and reminders in our own lives that can encourage and strengthen us in our battles. Think about the cross. When we see the cross, it serves as a powerful reminder of God's sacrificial love, redemption, and victory over sin and death. It prompts us to remember that we are not alone in our battles and that through our Lord Jesus Christ, we have the ultimate source of strength and victory. Psalm 121 verses 1 and 2 declares, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He shall direct your paths. How have we been expressing that we are God-dependent in our everyday lives, in our finances, in our relationships, in our work, in our school, in our family? If we want to win, we need to depend on God. The Israelites were not prepared for battle against the Amalekites, but they learned to depend on God's strength. Moses raised his hand as a symbol of surrender and prayer, acknowledging their need for God's help. We can do the same by recognizing our limitations, trusting in God's power, and expressing our dependence on Him through prayer, through worship, following His leading, 
and doing our part like Moses raising his hand. Our battles expose our need to trust in God's strength and faithfulness. And in order to win, the key to victory is to move from self-reliance to God-dependence. Verse 12, Moses' hands became heavy, so they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and her supported his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. As the Israelites engaged in a battle against the Amalekites, Moses played a crucial role by interceding for the people and lifting his hand towards heaven. However, as the battle continued, Moses' hands grew tired and they began to lower, which resulted in their defeat. His companions, Aaron and Hur, recognized this and took action to support him. They took a stone for Moses to sit on and held his hands up, ensuring they remain raised until the sun set. As a result, Moses was able to successfully accomplish his goal while Joshua and the Israelites emerged victorious over the Amalekites, thanks to the two unsung heroes, Aaron and Hur. As I look at the profiles of Aaron and Hur, I realize that these two played significant roles in the leadership and in support of Moses. Aaron was instrumental in the rituals and the sacrifice of the Israelites, and on the other hand, Hur, while not much is known about Hur outside of this specific incident, his loyalty, assistance, and presence alongside Moses was crucial for Moses to overcome this battle. I believe the significance of Aaron and Hur's actions goes beyond the physical assistance. It symbolizes the importance of friendship, of community, and support in our battles. And this is where we get our second biblical principle and our second key to victory. Our battles can be won through the help of true friends. And in order to win, our second key to victory is to turn from isolation to community support. While the term true friends is not explicitly used in Exodus chapter 17 to describe that relationship, Moses, Aaron, and her can be considered true friends based on their action and the support they provided to one another. When Moses needed assistance, who stepped in to offer their support? It was Aaron and her. What this story teaches us about the importance of friends during times of battle is this. Battles will reveal to you who your true friends are. Because true friends are those that are willing to come alongside when we are weary. They provide encouragement, strength, and assistance. They are not just spectators. They actively come alongside to help us carry our burden and provide help we need so that we can win our battles. So it's crucial to have friends in a supportive community that will help us persevere and stay focused to God during our challenging time, and also the not-so-challenging times of our lives. There were three adventurous friends who decided to embark on a thrilling expedition to explore the majestic mountains. They were filled with excitement as they trekked through the wilderness, eager to discover the hidden wonders of nature. As they journeyed deeper into the rugged terrain, their joy turned into alarm when a massive bear suddenly emerged from the dense forest. Fear gripped their hearts and instinctively, 
they knew they had to flee to ensure their safety. The three friends sprinted as fast as they could, their hearts pounding with adrenaline. However, as they were running in fear and panic, one of the friends accidentally tripped over a tree branch and fell to the ground, unable to continue running. The two other friends didn't know what to do. They were torn between staying or leaving behind their friend until they decided to run for their own safety, leaving behind their friend at the hands of the coming bear. As the fallen friend lay there, paralyzed with fear, expecting the worst, he looked behind and saw the bear fast approaching. When the bear was within arm's reach, he was surprised because instead of attacking and devouring him, the bear leaned in closer, gently whispering in his ear, Choose your friends wisely, and then walked away. Confused and intrigued, the fallen friend managed to find his feet again joining his two companions who had stopped a short distance away, waiting anxiously. They were curious as to what the bear had told him. With a trembling voice, the fallen friend shared the encounter with the bear. The bear told me to choose my friends wisely, friends who will never leave me during the difficult times of our lives. The story of the three friends served as a powerful reminder that the friends we choose can have a significant impact on our lives. Moses chose Aaron and her. Aaron was Moses' older brother, and her was a respected member of the community. Both of them were chosen by Moses due to their capabilities, their trustworthiness, and their unwavering commitment to God's intention of saving the Israelites and guiding them towards the promised land. Like Moses who had Aaron and her, let us surround ourselves with true friends who will remind us that we are not alone in our battles. We have God, and we have true friends who will serve as a source of inspiration and motivation for us to carry on. If you look at it, Aaron and her may have seemed to do something very simple, helping Moses raise his hands up. But it shows us that true friends not only stay by our side during difficult times, but also help us in accomplishing God's purposes for us. True friends would not discourage or distract us from pursuing God's purpose. They understand the importance of our spiritual journey and the calling God has placed on our lives. They do not intentionally undermine our faith or discourage us from following God's leading, but instead, they uplift us and inspire us to stay focused on our purpose. True friends do not enable or indulge us in sinful behavior. They uphold godly values and principles. They hold us accountable to live according to God's word. They lovingly challenge us to grow in our faith and to remove anything that hinders our relationship with God and compromises His purposes for us. We need true friends, and we need a Christ-centered community because sometimes facing our battles alone can be overwhelming. Your battles will weigh you down, and you on your own, isolated, will not be able to win your battle. Like how Moses, who some say was around 80 years old during that time, how he couldn't single-handedly hold his hands up. He needed the assistance of his friends, Aaron and her. 
Like Moses, who himself was already a strong leader, we also need friends who will help and support us during our battles. Even in leadership, if you are the head, you are the boss, the manager, you will need support from people who will uphold you. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 and 10 tells us, Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their, for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. In our own lives, we are reminded that we need not only prayers, but also communal support. We are not meant to face our battles alone. Just as Aaron and her supported Moses, we are called to support and encourage one another. I remember a few years ago, I encountered something in my life for the very first time. Nothing big or major, I would say. It was my first time to have a flat tire. I just got off our house and on my way to church office in the morning when I immediately felt and realized that one of my tires was flat. So I, I stopped by the sideway, went down, checked to see its condition. Lo and behold, it was so deflated as if there wasn't any air left inside. It was my first time to experience this and I wasn't really ready to change tires that morning. I was already in my office attire. I wasn't ready to be sweaty and to be sticky and dirty at that moment. So guess what? I went back inside the car and drove slowly on a flat tire thinking that I will survive a short distance and hoping that there would be a vulcanizing shop nearby. But I was wrong. After a few minutes, I found none. So I became worried that it would lead to greater damage. So I stopped by the sideway once again. I had no choice this time but to face this difficulty and this hassle. What I'm thankful for was that during this situation, I could call on a friend who instructed and helped me change my flat tires and I was able to go to work that day. To you, it may not be a flat tire. To you, it could be bringing you food whenever you do not have time or you are sick to cook. Or helping you bring your kids to school or taking care of them or assisting you in your exams, tutorials, or praying for you when you are down. Or helping you pay off something, helping you navigate a difficult situation, mending a relationship, helping you at work, and so on. Friends, have you placed yourself in friendships, in relationships, or in a community where when you are in a difficulty or when you are weak or discouraged, you have people who will come alongside and support you so that you can continue to fulfill your God-given duties and responsibilities? Do not fight your battles alone. Remember, our battles can be won through the help of true friends. In order to win our battle, the second key to victory is to move from isolation to community support. Verse 14, Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this for a memorial in the book and recount it in the hearing of Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called its name, The Lord is my banner. For he said, Because the Lord has sworn... 
the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. After the victory, we see in these verses how God instructs Moses to write down the account of the battle as a memorial. This is for them to document and to remember God's power and faithfulness towards His people. Notice how God also commands Moses to recount or to recite it in the hearing of Joshua, his would-be successor, including God's judgment against the wickedness of Amalek to ensure that the story of God's faithfulness is passed down to the next generation and so that people will not forget it. We see Moses in verse 15 building an altar and naming it, The Lord is my banner. He was not just creating a place of remembrance, a souvenir, or a monument of victory, but he was also making a public declaration to everyone who would see that their victory over the Amalekites was not achieved through human strength or strategy, but through the presence, the power, and the faithfulness of God. It is God, the God they worship, who gave them the victory. And what God wanted them to do was to remember this experience as a spiritual marker, a faith builder that should strengthen them for the next battles to come. This is where we get our third biblical principle and our third key to victory. Our battles should lead us to remember and declare God's faithfulness. And in order to win, our third key to victory is to turn from forgetfulness to active remembrance of God's faithfulness. There is power when you remember. When you remember the support and love you receive during difficult times, it brings out appreciation to those who help you. When you remember the lessons learned from past mistakes, it guides you towards wiser decisions in the future. When you remember people and how they borrow money from you and they forget you, for sure you will never let them borrow money again. When you remember how people burned you, you will adjust by not trusting or relying on them anymore. When you remember how you have been scammed, you will be more careful next time. When you know people are habitually lying or stealing from you, you definitely will not trust them. It will affect how you act and how you interact with others. Based on what you remember, you will adjust your life and actions, whether negatively or positively. It's called track record, a record of someone's or something's past performance or behavior. And God wants Moses and us today to remember his faithfulness, his track record, because this will strengthen us and help us as we face our next battles, because we tend to easily forget. Truth be told, when we go through difficulties, how many times have we accused God or blamed God or doubted Him? as if He never did anything good to us. We forget His track record. What Moses did so that people will remember God's faithfulness was to build an altar, a place of worship, to memorialize what God did in that place. And we are introduced to a Hebrew name, Jehovah Nisi, or the Lord is my banner. During ancient times, a banner was a distinctive and highly visible object used for various purposes. It serves as a visual symbol that represents a specific message or identity. I remember during one of our church's camps where each team or group was tasked to create a banner for themselves. 
The banner is usually a piece of cloth that is tied to a long bamboo stick. I remember how students would creatively coin a witty group name and create beautiful banners that bear their name and would serve as the team's identity. They are to bring it wherever they go. It is usually carried by the one in front, held high, waving it left to right as, as they proceeded to their, their next station. It is usually positioned in front where they would put it up so that everyone would see it. When Moses said, the Lord is my banner, he was creating a visual symbolism in the minds of the people. He was saying, in our battles, it is God who we will lift up, who we will raise and wave. He is the one that goes ahead of us. He is in front. He is our leader. We follow his instruction. We obey his commands. Our identity is his. We are his people and he is the one fighting for us. This altar that Moses built served as a proclamation of the Israelites' faith in God that from now on, God will be the one to lead them. It is like a reminder saying that in this place, through a battle, we saw how God fought for us and we saw God's power and faithfulness. And whenever they looked or passed by the altar, it would trigger powerful memories of how God fought for them and delivered them from the Amalekites. And this same altar would also serve as a declaration to the world around that their battles were won there in that place only because of God's strength and faithfulness. God wants us to remember the things He has done. What memorial item or what thing do you have that whenever you look at it, it puts a smile on your face and perhaps tears in your eyes because it brings you back to the experience of God's power and faithfulness. For some, it might not be an item, but a person. I know of many in our church who have been praying for a child, and after many, many, many years of praying, when God finally gave them a precious gift, they'd name their child with something significant that would remind them of how God has blessed them with the child. And perhaps every time they would see that child, it reminds them of how good God has been to them. And there are still many other ways for us to keep record of God's goodness in our lives. Some of you I know you keep a prayer record, a devotional journal to remind you of yourself from time to time about God's faithfulness and God's messages in your life. Those are good. Still, some others, those who are a bit techy, use cover photos of Bible verses and put them on their phones or on their computers or on their walls around their homes or on their desk to remind them of God every time they see that item. Some take photos of videos of family, of, of items or events so that they can immortalize those precious moments, those spiritual highlights where they felt God has blessed them tremendously in their life. There are many other ways that we can do to visibly remind ourselves of God's faithfulness in our own unique ways. When I was a student at a Bible school, one of the needs of the school was to build a new building for classrooms and offices. The original classrooms were built, I believe, in the 60s, and it was already dilapidated, and it needs total renovation. The school leadership had prayed to God for a new building. However, they did not have enough funds during that time. 
It was a time of scarcity, and Philippine economy was not that good. But they knew they needed to build new classrooms, classrooms impossible as it may seem. But they prayed and prayed and believed that if it is God's will, God will provide for the school. Amazingly, after around three years, they were able to finish the building project. And when they were thinking of what to call the building, many suggestions came to mind. But in the end, the committee decided to call the building Providence Hall to fittingly recognize that on this project, impossible as it seemed when it started, the Lord provided the funds and the materials needed to finish the building structure. And that building served as a testimony and a declaration of God's faithful provision to His people. Isn't it good and encouraging to reminisce God's faithfulness and to trace His handprints in our daily lives? Because it will fuel and encourage us to move forward towards the future. It will remind us of God's character, His promises, His unwavering love for us. And when you face future battles, remembering God's faithfulness will strengthen you, and not only you, even the people around you. Psalm 103, verses 2 to 5. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits, who forgives all your sins, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. There is power when you choose to actively remember God's faithfulness. After the battle, Moses built an altar. And what did it serve to remind the people of? It served to remind them that when they go through battles again, they can look back, remember God, that God is with them, fighting for them. He is their banner. They are to raise Him up. And every time they encounter a battle, they will not forget that He is fighting for them. Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6, Not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. Our battles should lead us to remember and to declare God's faithfulness. In order to win, let us move from forgetfulness to active remembrance of God's faithfulness. In closing, I was thinking, what was God trying to teach the Israelites here? And what is He trying to teach us here? In context, it was their first battle, and certainly, they would have many more battles to come. Interestingly, if you trace the succeeding battles of the Israelites, while they were the chosen people and often witnessed God's faithfulness and intervention in their battles, they also faced defeats and setbacks. And their subsequent victories and defeats in battles were often linked not with their military power or capability, but with their spiritual condition. When they were faithful and obedient to God, God granted them victory in their battles. However, when they turned away from Him in sin and relied on their own strength, they faced defeat. These serve as reminders that victory in battles was not solely dependent on the Israelite status or military might, but rather on their faithfulness and dependence on God. Notice, if you reread the story, it was not the sword or weapon of Joshua per se that gave them the victory. It was the hands and the staff of Moses raised to God. 
And what God wants them and us to understand is this, if God is your banner or if God is your leader, you end up truly the winner. This does not mean that you will never be sick or that you will never fail in your exams or be disappointed or be defeated or all of your dreams will come true or you will always get what you want. But victory assures us that God will always see us through. At times, we may be down, but we will never be out because in the end, when all is said and done, it is Jesus who will end up victorious and victory will ultimately be ours. If God is your banner, you are truly a winner. And the opposite is also true. If God is not our banner, if we are not on God's side, if God is not with us, no matter how good, no matter how skilled, how wealthy, or how hard we try, there will be no success or victory in life. Because victory and success in life is not only dependent on these things, but it is in the favor of our God. Jesus already made it clear in John chapter 15, verse 4, Apart from me, you can do nothing. Friends, who are you allowing to lead you today? Who is your banner? I hope that as we face our battles, remember, our battles expose our need to trust in God's strength and faithfulness in order to win our key to victory is to move from self-reliance to God-dependence. Our battles can be won through the help of true friends. In order to win, our key to victory is to turn from isolation to community support. Our battles should lead us to remember and to declare God's faithfulness. In order to win, our last key to victory is to move from forgetfulness to active remembrance of God's faithfulness. Let God be our banner. Let us allow Him to lead us and to guide us so that we could truly end up winners in our lives. Let us pray. Our gracious and loving Heavenly Father, we thank You, O Lord, for reminding us today that You are with us in the battles that we face each day. Allow us, Father, to let You lead in our lives so that we could end up truly the winners in You. Father, we thank you for reminding us of your word. Empower us, guide us, be with us, strengthen each one of us as we face the battles of our everyday lives. We thank you, O Lord. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.